Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, day two of the US Open, pretty much done and dusted. They're into the night session under the lights at the moment. Uh, Novak Djokovic is in the first set. He's already got a break on the board as we come to you now. The assumption here at Tennis Podcast Towers is that that match is not going to be particularly competitive. Hence, uh, we will probably be safe to record the Tennis Podcast. So here we are. If we're back in about half an hour uh, when he's a set down, that might uh, that might tell you something. But, um, it wasn't Holger Rune's assumption when he strode onto court with an IKEA bag. <laughs> did an IKEA bag? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, there was a, now there was a bit of a swagger about him, wasn't there? There was a sort of, "Hey, mm. look at me!" <laughs> for, for for about four seconds, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I've not played many tennis tournaments in my lifetime, but Holger Rune is like all of the top seeds at those tennis tournaments I did play. Very, very flashy and sure of himself. Spectacularly mm. pleased with himself. Yeah. Mm. It would appear. Yeah. But anyway, he's getting his getting his backside smacked at the moment by uh, Novak Djokovic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll see how that turns out. Um, Katie Boulder's in action as well on a day when uh, another British player won a match. That was Emma Raducanu. We'll, we'll talk about all this stuff in a little while. I think we need to just rewind a little bit, though, just to put the... Uh, the Andy Murray whinge fest to bed because uh, he 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 hasn't put this behind him, has he? Really, uh, his irritation at Stefanos Tsitsipas and his toilet habits. Um, he, he he's come out today and tweeted upon waking up. Fact of the day: It takes Stefanos Tsitsipas twice as long to go to the bathroom as it takes Jeff Bezos, although he spells it Bazos, to fly into space. Interesting. And then an emoji of a toilet and an emoji of a rocket ship. Uh, so mm, we, we ran that tweet on, on, on Prime Video because we went, went big on the aggro uh, in our opening to the show. Uh, Lugate, as, as some are calling it. Um, and we had to both correct his spelling <laughs> of Bezos. And sit to pass. And sit to pass. And also omit his two excellent emojis because 
we couldn't get the emojis <laughs> in our graphics. <laughs> so we've really editorialised what Andy Murray had to say. And yet it's still, um, it's, I think the brilliance of that tweet was still conveyed. Yes. I mean, it's, it's splendid aggro. I mean, it's just ticking all the boxes, isn't it? It's on-court aggro. It's press conference aggro. It's passive-aggressive tweet after the fact aggro. Mm. And it, it, ding, ding, ding. It led to much <laughs> studio discussion uh, between Annabelle Croft and Anne Kjothavong, which I found highly entertaining uh, watching with Catherine conducting the conversation. And, uh, yeah, it, I mean, people taking sides really as to... As to what the sport could do about bathroom breaks and the, the issue of some tennis courts having toilets right next to them, others not, whether you should allow anything uh, in terms of a break at the end of sets or not. Um, and, and inevitably, players got asked about it in post-match press conferences. One that really took my eye was that of Riley Opelka, um, mm. who, after winning his match straight sets today, and he played very well, by the way, he looked good, did Riley Opelka. He came in, and he, he was he's quite he's quite engaging, he's quite open in, in the way he answers questions. And then about two-thirds of the way through, he was asked, I want to ask you about breaks. Whether you think that there could be or should be any update to the rule? And he goes, yeah, I think it's ridiculous. Like, I understand it's getting press because tennis is lame and tennis media sucks and they're terrible. But I think Stefanos Tsitsipas, it's hot and humid, and for the media, the press that have never stepped foot on a tennis court in their life, have never been in the environment, couldn't last 30 minutes out in this humidity and in this heat. It's physical, our sport is. My shoes are dripping. They're leaking sweat. To change or go, uh, two sets, we're drinking, we're hydrating a lot, we've got to use the bathroom. To change my socks, shoes, my inserts in my shoes, shorts, shirt, everything, the whole nine yards, it takes five or six minutes. And uh, I don't know about Sitsipas, but I doubt he's getting coached. I highly doubt it. I mean, he's just not having it from from people in the media asking him about the situation. The thing is, though, we've had Andy Murray say exactly that, and he does surely know basically what he's talking about. That was what I didn't understand about that answer from Apelka. This has not just come about because the tennis media feel like talking about it. This has come about because Andy Murray in that match brought it up. And continues to bring it up. Yeah. And and lots of other players are weighing in on it with similar views. Milos Raonic tweeted today, Andy Murray's right. Mm. Dominic Team on the ten- tennis channel, it was slightly more measured and watered down than what Andy Murray had to say, but it was still broadly supportive Um of his assertion that the rules need to change because they're too subject to exploitation. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's mostly nonsense what Riley Apelka has to say there. And okay, he says it might take me five, six minutes to to change my sweaty pants. Well, he took a 13-minute uh, bathroom break in Canada. Um, and look, as, as you know, said it many times before, no one needs me to hear to hear me continue to bang on about my feelings about toilets, but I, I, I find I find the debate often and as confirmed by Riley Apelka today so disappointing in sort of the parameters within which it's conducted. But that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be a debate. I mean, the situation at the moment 
is unsatisfactory. Annabelle Croft was arguing today that bathroom breaks should be done away with altogether. She said, you know, you just never need the loo uh, while you're playing a tennis match. And I have heard other professionals and ex-professionals saying that, that you're just, you're sweating so much that you, I knew we were going to get onto, it was going to be unavoidable to to <laughs> to, to get into toilet-based detail. But yeah, you just don't need to wee. Um, I can see that argument. I could see I can see a case for it on the men's side. I absolutely think it would be unethical to implement that on the women's side. I personally don't want somebody to lose a tennis match because they've had a curry the night before. Um so I <laughs> or you know extrapolate that where you wherever you'd like to like I I don't think you should do away with bathroom breaks. I don't know what the solution is. I don't feel comfortable with a with a time limit, certainly for women, but equally, I don't feel comfortable with the situation that we've got now. And 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 yeah, Andy, Andy Murray said said in his press conference, which I hadn't quite picked up on last night, that he and his team had specifically prepared for that scenario, which ended up arising. He said, "What does that tell you? That that was part of my preparation for this match was mentally how will you deal with it when he takes a." a bathroom break aimed to disrupt you. And he said, yeah, I did let it get to me, but you know, that's tennis. It's incredibly difficult for it, for it not to. And, and Annabelle Croft reported on our coverage today that she had spoken to someone in the Sitsipas camp and Sitsipas really puts Murray on a pedestal and was very upset by Murray's comments about him saying he's lost respect for him. I mean, (sighs) yeah, make of that what you will, but she also reported that this insider had said that Tsitsipas learned the bathroom break tactic from Novak Djokovic in the French Open final, which I find fascinating. Um, Yeah. Mm. If that is the case, that suggests he's doing it for tactical reasons if if he thinks that Djokovic did it for tactical reasons when two sets down and I do find that a bit disappointing that he would think oh someone's used that against me I'm going to use it against someone else I I sort of get it and if if the rules allow it which that's they do as as things stand yeah that's what's going on I mean Riley Opelka was clearly clearly not informed enough about the situation to be slinging around the sort of assertions and accusations that he was in that comment because Sitsipas did for that second bathroom break, which I think is what caused the the consternation for Andy Murray yesterday. He didn't take a bag off court. He didn't change his kit. He was off Mm. court for eight minutes. The locker room is right by the court. The toilet is right by the court and he was off for, for for seven and a half minutes, I think, and then actually incurred a time violation for dawdling around on the court once he returned. So, yeah, I mean, I to sort of discount everything Riley Apelka had to say, really, because he it was just it was still entertainingly missed the point, just completely misguided. I, I did find it entertaining, um, though. I mean, the way he delivered it. Is it, enter- anyway. is it entertaining? Is it entertaining? His adding to what? the chorus to this chorus of of just just reflexively insulting the tennis media and adding to this perception of an adversarial relationship between 
players and media, I don't think I don't think that is harmless fun. I think that's I'm actually a bit worried about that situation. The the I, I don't think it is an adversarial relationship, but the perception of it can create an adversarial well, the, the relationship. Thing is and I'm just a bit worried about that. His whole that press situation. conference was not adversarial. There was nothing going on. There was no there was no yeah, he said he said what he said, but I mean I it didn't bother me what he said at all. I found it very entertaining. And it was in the middle of a press conference in which he was pretty so respectful. So tennis is lame. Good press conference. I, I I don't think that comment was respectful. It wasn't, but it was funny. I mean, I don't think we should take ourselves too seriously. David, are you compromised in your neutrality because he's very, very tall and you were assigned to report on him as a fellow very, very tall <laughs> man today? Could be. Could be that. Um but, that, uh, could you confirm for the listeners that that did happen? Yeah, it did happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I reported on it, and he was really good. He, he's playing Lorenzo Massetti next, and he was really interested in talking about him um, because he was saying that, that they've played each other before, and he's just he he knows that Massetti knows what he'll do. Well, he knows what his game is, but his view is that he'll just chuck everything he's got at them even and he's got no surprise tactics whatsoever um and and I, I quite like that that's why Pat Rafter used to speak you know this is my game deal with it many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify plus they accept most insurance plans to get started visit plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Well, I mean, the tennis today, I think the problem with it was yesterday was so amazing. Today didn't stand a chance, did it? 
really, in terms of drama mm. and, and action. I mean, you had a, I thought your first half hour on TV was really great fun to listen to. And then when we got into the tennis, not much happened for a while. There's some interesting results, but kind of the action happened on outside courts with lesser names, really, didn't it? Yeah, I think that's really fair. I think tennis and drama-wise today has been... Yeah, lacklustre, definitely. I mean, high points, I'm sure we'll talk about Emma Raducanu. She was absolutely one for me, as I'm sure she was for both of you and a lot of people listening, not just in in the UK, I think. I think she is having some cut through. Um, but yeah, it was it was pretty slim pickings. I arrived home to find Matt watching Talon Greekspoor against Jan Leonard Struff. <laughs> um, and I know he's a tennis nerd, but that is that is niche. <laughs> It was a test of my rule that I will tune in for any tennis match in the deciding set. Um, <laughs> that, is a, that, is, that is a rule I have with myself. And therefore, Talon Greek sport, Jan Leonard Struff was, was the place to be by that self-enforced rule. And Talon Greek sport won. Who'd have thought it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, and now he gets the the pleasure of Novak Djokovic's company in the second round. Well, you should... say that Rune serving two love forty love second oh. set second set yeah Blimey. he heard our comments and he's trying to make us look silly. What what what's happened? Has he turned that around? Uh, we, we were don't know, David. We, we We've were, been talking we were, to you. We was dazzled by your <laughs> face. <laughs> well, uh, it but happens. he's he's pumping his hey he just didn't Andy Murray raised fist pump above the head Goodness. he's come to play okay with his ikea bag i think i better turn over from bolter who's four one down at the moment um on the arthur Ashe stadium court today uh, it all began with alexander zverev beating sam query in an unremarkable straight sets win um that was followed onto the court by ash barty which was Two very different sets of tennis against Vera's Vonareva. The first one, 6-1, was as dismissive as it sounds. And the second one was 9-7 in the tiebreak. And it was edgy. Really, really edgy towards the end. Because uh, Zvonareva got herself a set point. She started to just remind you how she got to the final of the US Open in 2010. And she got to the Wimbledon final in 2010. She was world number two. She was just living with... Barty from the baseline just soaking up her stuff and getting into a groove when Barty was hitting the slice backhand and figuring out how she could just flick it off the the cement really with her two-handed backhand and Barty was getting tense out there today I thought in that second set that was not inevitable that she was going to win it certainly not in straight sets. Mm. It was a bit of a revelation that match for me because as you said, it was sort of cruise control to begin with, and then suddenly it became quite problematic for Ash Barty. And it actually reminded me of quite a lot of first round matches I've seen Barty play this year. It put me in mind of her match against Carlos Suarez Navarro in the first round of Wimbledon, where she was going along nicely and then suddenly found herself in a second set tiebreak. And she actually lost it that day to Carlos Suarez Navarro and was pushed to three sets. Today, she got it done in two. She saved a set point, didn't she, with a with an incredible forehand onto the line, really gutsy shot. And then from that moment on, it looked like she hit through her nerves and was okay. I, I think it's not the worst thing in the world to have a little test like that, adapt to the conditions against an, an opponent who's playing really well. I think that will probably end up 
standing Ashbati in really good stead. Mm. That's what struck me. You know, you just mentioned that forehand she hit onto the line when she was set point down. That it was like she steeled herself at that moment and decided mm. to go back to what had won of the title in Cincinnati of big serve, go after the forehand if it's there to be hit. And I mean, I've just read her through her press conference transcript, and it's she's very interesting talking about the way she approaches rallies and how little forethought she puts into them that she doesn't want to have time to think about shots she wants to be reactive she wants to go with her gut she said and I mean for a player who doesn't play to established and and reduced patterns I think that that's really interesting because she can do so many different things still going with your gut still creating still going after shots and not second-guessing yourself. must be. I think that must be really quite hard if you're not the sort of player who just, this is what I do if I'm in this part of the court. Um, but anyway, she figured it out and uh, and got through in straight sets in the end and now faces Clara Towson, who uh, I was I was interested to see. She didn't know much about Catherine. And, and that's that kind of um, mm. lack of knowledge of a player going into a, a big match is is an interesting one to me is is how they um what sort of homework they have to do and we know that ash barty is very into that homework isn't she she's very into the she's not a i'm just going to focus on my game player she's very much she relishes the challenge of facing all different opponents and solving the puzzles um and yeah i really love that about her but i but ironically, I do think she's just playing so well um, that she probably can just focus on her own game. I mean, her slice backhand on this court, um, it, I, I mean, it it's such an unbelievable weapon. I mean, it's it comes it seems to be coming at opponents with massive pace, but also staying about two inches off the ground. I mean. It's it's serious stuff that slice backhand, um, and I, I, yeah, I think she's such a clear. Even with the sort of slight wobble against Zvonareva today, I think she's a, a really clear favourite for for this title. Mm. I do. She's is convincing. Definitely something in what you said. I think Matt about that second set probably being quite good for her. And she, I mean, I don't, I don't know whether she's quite aware of how hard the ball is going to be hit at her by Clara Towson because that took me aback and uh, and their homework when they when they look her up is going to be quite interesting maybe, maybe she knows way more about her than she's letting on I mean that that's <laughs> that's highly possible isn't it um, and just just on the subject of players that do their homework uh, Emma Raducanu the young British players win today 6-2-6-3 over Stephanie Vogler from what I hear, she is somebody who who wants to know everything about her opponents, and uh, she now faces Zhang Shui in the second round, who beat her a few weeks back, didn't she? In the first match, I think since Wimbledon, it's going to be quite interesting, that isn't it, to see what strides have been taken in in that interim. Yeah, look, I I didn't watch that match in in San Jose, um, but. <laughs> It, which which will probably go on to discredit discredit what I'm about to say, but I can't see it being the same same match and same scoreline. I mean, the winning that Emma Raducanu has done since that match just makes this an entirely different kettle of fish. I think she's done 
serious routine winning. She's in such a groove now and she looked it. Apart from her attempt to serve out the match when I think she, she had in the end had seven match points and it was it was a real thrill ride because yeah, there were some tight shots, but there were some also, also some utterly sublime shots. Uh, she really, it was like, she, it was, it was almost exhibition in places, Emirata Khanu today. It was like she was trying to show us the full range of her skill. It was like, it's like she was a, a young footballer and she knew a talent scout was in the audience or something. She really <laughs> showed us everything, including just her utter radiance after the match. I find her really really magnetic and cheering to watch. There's such a joy about her. She takes you with her. Um, I'm often uncomfortable with sort of the amount of discussion there is about um, female players and their smiling on the court. And when they don't win, why aren't they smiling? But undeniably, Emma Raducanu has a completely magnetic, radiant smile that she produces at moments that just makes you want to smile um and yeah she's dare i say in quite a good section of the draw well i've said it <laughs> i asked for a show of hands in our five live commentary box after her win as to who thought she would beat zhang shui um, we'd got laura robson who was in a similar position to her nine years ago reaching the fourth round of the u.s open as an 18 year old we've got naomi Brody, who's been a tall player naomi cavaday as well and there was one hand that went up and that was naomi Brody's. she thinks that she will take out shang shui in the next round oh so do i definitely i really do i really do. i just think it's a completely different kettle of fish she's 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 really good, Emma Raducanu. She's not just really good for an 18-year-old. She's really good. She did really get beaten good. quite heavily in that match. It wasn't that close. I mean, Jung is a very, very good player. I, I personally think it's going to be really close. Yeah. I, oh, I think it'll be tight, for sure. And just what you're saying about how she connects with you, I've really felt the same. She draws you in. And I think part of that is she had a breakthrough moment at Wimbledon and... She connected with all of us. You know, we all remember where we were when Emma Raducanu's Wimbledon run happened. And I think when that when that happens for a player, you sort of follow them, I think, through their career quite a bit. Mm. You remember that first impression you had of them and that can stay with you. But then also her tennis is magnetic. And just as you were saying about the array of shots, the image I have of Raducanu in my head, because of Wimbledon really is the backhand because that was the shot which stood out at Wimbledon. But today... And, and because you're obsessed with backhands. Well, there is part of that. <laughs> today, there were so many other aspects. I thought her return was just so aggressive, so much intent to dominate serves. And her forehand is, I think, not as solid as the backhand, but she really used it aggressively today. And then the the shot which stands out above anything was in that final game. She played a a high backhand drop volley. Oh, yeah, sort of that was a When she wasn't, wasn't it? facing the court, it was just phenomenal. So instinctive, wasn't it? Because that was a good lob she was faced with there, and she just didn't panic. There was a kind of couple of back pedals, and then, oh, yeah, actually, she had time. she's way out of the court. I'm just going to pat it over. Yeah, it was a really cool shot that I'd not 
seen from her before. So yeah, I, I agree. We saw we saw all the little elements to her game today. It was it was really great. Yeah, took us seven match points to get over the line in the end, but uh, that's what she duly did. So a couple of days time, she'll be playing against Sheng Shui uh, on the Louis Armstrong court. Carolina Pliskova continued up her excellent form six three six four over Katie McNally. Belinda Bencic was a straight sets winner as well. I saw a little bit of Denis Shapovalov who was on that court beating Federica Del Bonis, and he was good six two six two six three and. He's a funny chap to watch, isn't he? I don't, you don't know, don't know what you're going to get, really, from day to day with, with Shapovalov. And it's not the worst draw in the world. But I mean, when he plays like that, he's st- it's, it's all there. He was solid and he was spectacular in, in the same match. And, uh, well, be interesting to see whether... Because he's done nothing since Wimbledon. Square root and nothing. Yeah, he he was asked. Uh, <laughs> he was asked in his on-court interview, uh, Dennis. That is your first win as the world number ten. Must be great to get that monkey off your back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. And he was, he very politely said, "Yeah, yeah, great, great to get the monkey off my back. It's been, it's been keep, great, huge monkey keeping on my back. me up at night." <laughs> uh, we had a four-set win for Kane Shikuri, which he looked like he was about to turn into a uh, a bit of an epic, and because uh, he won the first two sets six-one before his opponent Salvatore Caruso won the third. And he got through in four in the end. And Matteo Berrettini won his straight sets against Jeremy Shardy. And Iga Swiatek got a win as well. Uh, nice to see her uh, getting a good win. Uh, 6-3, 6-4 over the American. Somebody Loeb? Jamie, Jamie. Loeb. Jamie Loeb. Okay. Uh, mm. Matt, what have you been watching today? What's been what you've what's taken your fancy? We, we've covered Greek sports truth, David. <laughs> I haven't had a, a, you like, I've not had a sufficiently blow by blow account of that yet. Would you like more slightly niche matches? Because there was a moment in the day where it was all a little bit slow, and then suddenly we had back to back fifth set tie breaks. Oh yeah, which sometimes can be a disappointment, can't they? You sort of build up a fifth set tie break and think it's going to be amazing. Well, you do. Crescendo. I do, anyway. And both of these delivered. Um, the second one is probably the more notable one in terms of the tournament because it's uh, American Maxime Cressy beating Pablo Cuenio Busta, the two-time, two-time semi-finalist, mm. I think, at the US Open, a recent bronze medalist. And I think he's the first top 10 seed to fall in either draw um and that was interesting because it was on an outside court and it was packed i mean people having to stand to get a view of this match and it was quick fire short sharp rallies cressy's a serve volleyer and he got the match on his terms it was very different seeing pablo Cuenia buster not involved in these really long grueling rallies he was he was playing he was being dictated to really by Cressy, and yet Pablo Cunha had match points. He double faulted on a match point in that fifth set tie break, a really tight double fault that oh, wow. you know barely made the net. I don't think of him as a tight double falter, really. No, but then I also don't think of him as an as a um, you know racket smash guy. But it. But when it but, but when, when it, it when happens, it comes, it really comes. Yeah, yeah. He um, there's a great still that uh, Hannah managed to catch on Twitter. I saw of uh, 
him smashing his racket simultaneously with Cressy celebrating. Yes, yes, I think she described it as being smashed in between the umpiring game and set. Oh. Uh, the racket was <laughs> yeah, the racket was gone. It, it was it was pretty. He's cool spectacular, scenes. isn't he, Cressy? He's an exciting player to watch. He is. He's he's very tall, very big, big presence at the net, tough to pass. I remember watching him play Sitsapass at the US Open mm. last year. Yes. It was a night match and he and I think he benefited from the crowd today and having that energy, he he sort of got, got got quite an exciting game which they which they connected with. Um and then the other fifth set tiebreak, the one just before, was um Andreas Seppi beating Martin Fuchovic. That was fifteen thirteen in the final set tiebreak. And this couldn't have been more different. Every rally was long and torturous and extended. And, you know, Fuchovic I find interesting because you think he's going to be really powerful and aggressive as a player based on his physique and you kind of think what he should be capable of. But he's actually a bit of a grinder. Yes. And that is what this match was like and Seppi obviously kind of adores that himself so yeah it was just two matches that I think captured the first week of a slam really unlikely to be significantly consequential for the tournament but for those players and for the fans who were there it was kind of the most important thing in the world at that time and um, yeah they were just good competitive fun matches. In a very very different way Guillermo Fis created that kind of feeling on court 17 today as well as well it was a completely one-sided match one of the shortest of the week i think less than less than 2 hours um over federico coria but something about that court 17 uh, i emma radicano had played on there the match before it just it's the perfect it's it's a big crowd it it feels like an event it feels like a big event but it's also intimate um, and it's it's a little bit away from the hustle and bustle. Uh, Daniela Hantikova was saying that she, you feel like the crowd are less distracted on that court than it than on other courts, and certainly that was the case watching Gamal Feast today. He just seems to be in a truly wonderful place. It's just it's just good vibes watching Gamal Feast at the moment. He is he is the real embodiment of rejoicing at the return of crowds because he felt it didn't he he felt it thinking back to him crying about the words his mum had said to him at the Australian Open this year and yeah look doesn't necessarily mean anything I don't know what he's going to do at the tournament but it's he's he's a good time at the moment Mm. and Everyone on Court 17 had a good time watching a completely uncompetitive tennis match. I, I know what you mean, though, about the, the, the what Daniela was saying about the distraction or lack thereof on that particular court, because I've just been looking at the, the court that Katie Bolter has lost her first set against uh, Ludmilla Samsonova on, and, and they're all lined up, these courts, and people are standing between them, and you can sense that they're not quite sure which one they should be watching. You know, they're sort of looking like owls turning their heads around as uh, as these matches go on uh, a lot of yeah and you can hear that you can hear the score being called on every yes on mm. both courts either i think dan evans talked about that yesterday didn't he, he said he, oh there was some chilean guy next to me <laughs> could hear him having break point <laughs> right 
Uh, over on uh, court number 10, by the way, Maria Sakkari got a good win over Matt Roberts's Marta Kostiuk, 6-4-6-3. Paula Badat... Dropped her like a hot potato, David. Hang on, hang no. on. I need, I need to put the record straight It's always here. like this, I isn't feel, it, It's always like this. I feel really good about everything I've said about Marta Kostiuk. She has fulfilled the terms of that vague prediction very nicely <laughs> indeed. She, she has pretty much halved her ranking this year. That is a good, notable year. And she gave Zachary quite a lot to handle today. And credit to Zachary, she handled it. I didn't expect you to have a defence lined up. That was a pre- yeah. That was a prepared answer. He <laughs> knew this. I know the attacks are coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. A part of me did sink when she lost. I thought, oh, here we go oh, again. Better script some. Better script a defence for the podcast. Let's get in touch with the Kostyuk <laughs> fan club. Find out what what's what the inside story is. Anyway, Paula- he, he's it. He's it, David. <laughs> Paula Vadosa, 24th seed, uh, got a good win again today. 6-4-6-3 over Alison Vanoitvank. And, and she was born in New York, Vadosa. Oh, yeah. Which is, which is quite interesting. She's in an inter- interesting section of the draw. I think she might be in Pliskova's part. And I put Vadosa through in my predictions. I could very easily have gone with Pliskova. But I just thought I was worried that I've seen Vadosa recently in heat and yes. really struggle. But then I thought, well, maybe she's used to New York and those conditions, having having spent quite a lot of time there, I think, in her career. So I think she's one, she's one to watch, certainly, this tournament. Mm. Yannick Sinner threw in four sets. Uh, Aslan Karatsev as well. Uh, Fiona Ferrer was a winner today. Jack Sock won through in four sets. He could be an opponent for Zverev down the line. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, that ends up happening. Um, Yes, the Cressy match. I'm just seeing I'm flicking through a few of the scores today. Big upset over on court six. Although I think one that... Catherine, did you predict this today? Lloyd Harris to beat... Oh, is this Lloyd Harris? Yeah, mm. beating Karen Hatchinov from two sets to one down. Blimey, good result, that. Good prediction as I well. I always feel good about predicting Hatchinov to lose... <laughs> Poor bloke. ...in a slam. I know, but he... Mm. He's prone to it, isn't he? And especially the hardcore slams. There's yeah. this really weird thing with Hatchinov where he's never been beyond the fourth... Well, I don't think he's ever been to a fourth round at either the Australian Open or the US Open. And yet, on the clay at Roland Garros and the grass at Wimbledon, he's frequently made the mm. fourth round or better. And there's, I don't think there's a real logical reason why that would be the case? He, he's not a logical player. I can't make any sense of his career at all. The fact, the fact that he just won the silver medal made me even more confident in his defeat today. Um, I mean, also partly because Lloyd Harris is very, very good and has been having a brilliant year, and I think deals with heat and humidity v- very well. I mean, he looks he looks like a marathon runner, doesn't he? Lloyd Harris and also sort of an 800 meter runner he just like, looks like he's built for all physical activity mm. um, but yeah yes I did predict it in, in short thank you very and much that's two from two for Catherine do you, mm. do you know the other thing Matt already already more than I scored in the last slam <laughs> Matt do you know the other thing that's happening as well as the alerts that we've started getting or we've been giving for fifth set tie breaks or third set tie breaks we, we're starting to get alerted any time there's any kind of aggro anywhere, people st- are starting to tweet us with, are you across 
the Mute Travaglia aggro or the Imer against whoever he was playing aggro. Which uh, we we should know to be on alert for Mute, shouldn't we? We should really. Oh, he's. I'm always on aggro alert with with Mute. Yes. No. I think you're right, David. I'm. I'm glad we're having that effect. Fifth set tie breaks and aggro. Uh, very high on why I like tennis. Yeah, very proud of you, tennis podcast listeners on Twitter. Keep it up. Uh, that's that's what we need. Uh, six four seven five seven six Mute uh, won that match, so there's more potential for shenanigans from him later in the tournament. Um, yeah, cracky. It was a busy old day looking at the courts um, on the outside courts today, and uh, we've got an order of play for tomorrow now. But in all honesty. We're probably not going to get that many matches played, are we? Because the weather looks rough tomorrow, Catherine. Is it that bad? Yeah, I think... Uh, I mean, from what I was re- hearing from Russell Fuller, our tennis correspondent, he was saying, because Dan Evans is out uh, on a non-roofed uh, court, it's, he, and he's first up, chances are he's just going to be at the courts all day long. He's supposed to be on first up on court 10 at 11 o'clock. He may well just be knocking around the player lounge and in the cafe all wow. day long because chances are there isn't going to be any tennis. Um, but, of course, there are two courts that do have a roof. Um, the Arthur Ashe Stadium is, the, is uh, featuring Naomi Osaka first up against Olga Danilovic, who's a player I've seen at the what used to be known as the Fed Cup in uh, when we were in Bath. I remember she played in the, the group stages and... I think that Serbia has probably expected more of her results-wise um, because she's a hell of a competitor. She really goes after the ball. She's, she'll, she'll be competitive. She'll certainly try and bring it to Osaka. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting, that one, to see how it ends up going. But likely to be, as I say, underneath the roof, um, followed by Daniel Medvedev against uh, Dominic Kupfer of Germany, who's had some results, I think, maybe even at the US Open. The yeah, past. they played in the fourth round here a couple of years ago. I think it was the fourth round. Right. Oh, yes. That was the match after Medvedev's Lopez yes. match. The, 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 the match after Medvedev was born <laughs> unto, unto us all, and in particular unto the New York crowd. When he arrived. Mm. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. The night session on, on Arthur Ashe Stadium opens with a match that I really can't wait for tomorrow night. Sloane Stevens against Coco Goff. Didn't realise they'd never played each other before. Um, really think it could be a, a corker, that one. Goff is still only 17. I know. Honestly. And, but they've never played, but Sloane Stevens has been to Coco Goff's birthday party. When Goff was oh. 10. Yes. <laughs> and all of her friends were very impressed that she was able to bring professional tennis player Stone Stevens to her birthday party. I love that. Mm. It is pretty cool. Was it like a sort of celebrity appearance or was it like we're mates? I've asked you a question. <laughs> Poor old Matt. He hasn't got a chance. I've, I've done that thing again. <laughs> Wasn't there. Can I... Can I... Can I... Do- can I make it up to you with some extremely niche tennis knowledge? Did you know that Emilio Nava, who played today against Lorenzo Musetti in a repeat of the 2019 19. Australian Open boys final, 
and Ernesto Escobedo, who mm. won today. They're cousins. Mm. Mm. Do I have any need for that information is, <laughs> is my question. I, I, I quite liked it. I feel like... I kind of need a need. Anyway, uh, Andrew Manorino against Stefano Tsitsipas late tomorrow night, the second match in the evening session. And on the Louis Armstrong court, it's Andrea Petkovic against Garbinia Muguruza. Petkovic won a title recently, albeit on clay. Uh, Victoria Azarenka faces Paolini of uh, of Italy, Jasmine Paolini. I've seen her play once in Rome. Um, I, I think she might have her hands full, to be quite honest, with her game style. But uh, we'll see against uh, Victoria Azarenka. Francis Tiafo against Guido Pella. Uh, evening session is Anderson against Schwartzman. Heard a fantastic Kevin Anderson uh, line last night that he played about a four-hour match and there had not been a single rally longer than four shots in it. <laughs> just, just imagine. Uh, I think that's what's called playing, really? playing the match on your terms. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to work out who he played against now. Um, let's just see if I can bring the... Vesely, was it? Was it was yes, Vesely. that was it. Yeah. <laughs> Yuri Vesely. Ves- Vesely's not into rallies either. No. I sort of feel like I need to fact check that, but I really don't want to have to watch it <laughs> to fact check it. Imagine watching a Vesely Anderson match from the past. <laughs> Relived. Round one. <laughs> no one... No one loves tennis enough. Uh, it, it, the scoreline was seven six four six three six seven six seven six. So um, Anderson quite possibly didn't get his serve, didn't manage to break serve in the entire five sets and still won. Um, Plausible. Uh, in his hey, it's uh, it's five all second set. Djokovic and Rune four stroke extravaganza. Soon to be out of date potential fifth set tiebreak up alert. Fanini Pospisil, five all fifth set. Oh, very interesting. Okay. Mm. Well, I've run you through everything that's going on on the two main show courts tomorrow, which have got the roof on. And uh, yeah, we may well not get anything else. So uh, we may as well end it there. Unless Novak Djokovic suddenly gets reeled in and, and is in massive trouble and we need to react to it. Um, that'll do it for another edition of the Tennis Podcast. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Catherine's shaking her head. She's not coming back at all. No, I'll be in bed. I'll be in bed, Catherine says. <laughs> you, you do what you like, David. Me and Matt. Look at Matt's face. Uh, Djokovic, don't lose, all right? (laughs) Uh, But anyway, we'll be back with another tennis podcast. That much is for sure tomorrow night. And uh, we'll be doing that every single night of this US Open. We'll have newsletters for you every morning as well. We've already submitted our predictions for tomorrow. Catherine's on a roll, two out of two at the moment. The stats are getting prepared by Matt. Uh, The tweets are being prepared every afternoon and evening by Hannah and she's been on form so make sure you're following us on Twitter as well Um, and yeah thanks ever so much for your company Uh, we've got Francis as our mascot this week the lovely cat we've got Rogue Scouser Mousel Zeus and Billie Jean King as the sponsors of Catherine Matt myself and Billie Jean the dog Chris Albert Lee is our executive producer and challenging us in our daily predictions during the tournament actually uh don't think he's doing too well at the moment which i'm delighted about and um and he's top bloke generally and i think we've got some shout outs matt <laughs> yes for scott levy oh right like dan levy like dan levy and, dave, and eugene and, levy and dave levy yes. no 
Harold Levy. He used to be a player, tennis player from Israel. There you go. Wow. <laughs> that was a real insight into the mind of David Law, that five seconds. Incredible. The, the places you went. Yeah. All right, Dan. Thanks for your support. Yeah. Who else we got? We also have Bruce Louth. Great name, Bruce. Oh, Bruce. Thanks a lot for your support, Bruce. Do you th- how old is Bruce? Is it plausible that he was named? Catherine, <laughs> you've already done the part of the podcast where you ask me a question I don't know the answer to. <laughs> is it possible that Bruce is named after Bruce? Are you Bruce named after Bruce Springsteen? End. Mm. Yeah, let let us know. Do get in touch. And finally, we have a we have a joint shout out for Soraya and Leslie. Hey, oh. all right, Soraya and, and Leslie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get ahead of the questions and say I don't know how they're related to one another. Nor where they are doing, They are doing a joint shout out. I went to school with a Soraya. It's a lovely name. Isn't As it? is Leslie. <laughs> Quite right. Thanks to all of them for their support. And, uh, yeah, you'll be able to support us as well when we run our crowdfunding campaign for 2022 at the end of the year. Uh, That's how everybody gets their shout-outs on this show. And, uh, yeah, all the support is much appreciated. Helps us keep this thing going and put all the time in and, um, yeah, stay up till the middle of the night (laughs) watching tennis and editing podcasts and doing newsletters and running Twitter. It's it's a good job we enjoy it, isn't it? Uh, Right, Catherine, go to bed. And, uh, yeah, we'll speak to you tomorrow. 6-5 Rune Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 